Hey there, fight fans. I'm Flying Brian J here on behalf of S SB Nation Combat, which includes amazing websites like MMA Mania, Bloody Elbow, and others. MMA Nation's classic shows like the Sixth Round, MMA Vivisection, The Care Don't Care, If I Did It, and the rest are all on the move. But don't worry, our shows will continue to be available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Search MMA Nation on either podcast platform and be sure to click subscribe while you are there. So the goal for this post-fight show is to go over all of the action that just happened at UFC 228 with you, the live viewers as my co-host, my first question to you, as always, is what post-fight rating, one to five, would you give this entire night of fights from start to finish? If you don't want spoilers, you better you better hit the bricks, because we're about to get in it real deep. We're going to get in with the main event, what happened there, and then we're going to get into the WTF of the card. There are quite a few of them. Then, followed by that, we will go over the rest of this event. At the very end, we'll give our post-fight bonuses, and there are a ton, a ton of post-fight bonuses that could possibly be given out. Uh, Joe Lav, where's Kid Nate and them? Um, so my name's Flying Brian J. I'm going to be here on this channel doing post-fight shows from now on. The, the MMA Nation's classic shows are on the move. The sixth round post-fight show, the vivisection, care don't care if I did it, all of those, they're still going to be available on the MMA Nation SoundCloud and iTunes. So search for MMA Nation there um, and be sure to subscribe while you were there. So the main event of the evening featuring Tyron, the chosen one, Woodley, and Darren Till just culminated. And my post-fight rating for this entire fight card would be a 5 out of 5. Uncle Hank says he would give it a 5, not counting the judges. Jeffrey James says a 3.9. Uh, no one else is weighing in. So we did a pre-fight show on the MMA Mania Twitch channel. And my grade, along with the other viewers, the pre-fight rating was a 3.5. So I think this fight card way exceeded our expectations, which is freaking phenomenal. Let's talk about what... Ooh, Mr. Leary gave it a 10 out of 5. Wow, he really loved this fight card. Uh, Wop says Woodley has been boring before, but let's not pretend like he wasn't. Uh, this was just an exciting one. Marbs, 204. No, I'm not Zane Simon. My name's Flying Brian J. Thank you for being here. I'm not going to say that too many more times. Let's talk about this... Fight card. In the main event of the evening, Tyron, the Chosen One Woodley, finished Darren, the Gorilla Till, with a Darsh Choke at 419 of round number two to keep his UFC welterweight title around his waist. This is, I believe, his fourth consecutive title defense. He reiterated to us that he is the best welterweight to ever do the damn thing. And if he keeps doing things like this, this is his fourth consecutive title uh, yeah, fourth consecutive defense. He he kept the belt with the draw against Stephen Thompson at UFC 205 back in 2016. Uh, now he has three consecutive uh, defenses where he won. The first finish that he's had since Robbie Lawler in 2001, and it's the first submission victory in in his entire UFC career. And after he finished Darren Till with that Darce choke in the second round, his coach awarded him with a black belt. So he got another gold belt wrapped around his waist by Dana White. And then his coach also gave him a black belt. So it was it was a huge day for Tyron Woodley. How did he set up that Darsh choke? Darren Till came in with like a shovel uppercut with his lead hand. He came with a shovel uppercut and it was his, not his lead hand. But he came in with that. And Tyron pulled away from it and then came in with the right behind it. Sent Till to the floor. 
got on top of him and was raining down some really vicious elbows. And uh, there was a long stretch of time where Daniel Cormier, one of the ringside announcers and also the double champ, was saying, Till's done, it's over, it's over, it's over. And Rogan's like, no, he's still moving. He's still defending and everything. Uh, and he did defend some of the ground and pound pretty well, but he kept this overhook over the arm that just really set up the Darce choke to be sunk in from, from Tyron Woodley. In the post-fight interview, Rogan was really pressing Tyron Woodley, what's next for you? Who do you want next? What's next for you? At one time he said that he's got a, a single coming out next week with Wiz Khalifa. Also, Tyron Woodley uh, wished Wiz Khalifa a happy birthday. He also wished his own son, whose name must be Darren, a happy birthday as well. And then Rogan tried to press him for who he wants to fight next, and he said, I don't want to call anybody out. Whenever I call somebody out, it doesn't seem to get the reaction that I want, so I'm not going to call anybody out. You might remember um, he called out uh, he called out Michael Bisbing, and people were like, "Man, we don't really care about that fight. He called out GSP, and people were like, stop calling for the money fights, Tyron Woodley. So I guess he's just uh, done calling out people. And I think clearly what's next for Tyron Woodley should be Colby Covington. Uh, I know that Marty Usman... Kamaru Usman was there yesterday for the weigh-ins. He weighed in. Um, he was also there at the fights tonight. He had a funny little face-off with Shevchenko when they put the camera on him. I know he was there for that. But Colby Covington was the interim champion. I know they took the belt away from him because he was injured and couldn't fight on this card. But still, he earned the right, I think, to have a legitimate title shot. And I think that's what should be next for Tyron Woodley. Is Colby Covington. Let's go to some of your comments, guys. Um, this is going to be new to me. This is my first time on this channel, as you might know. No, I am not Zane Simon. I appreciate you for sticking around with me, even though I'm not him. But I, I want to use you as my co-host. I'm going to bounce ideas off you as we go. Um, Ava Ortega said his son is Darren Stewart. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Uh... Moreno de Jong says rematch of this fight. Oh, yeah. Uh, random one. Uh, we're going to get into our WTFs of the card in a moment. I want to get the rest of your comments on the main event before we get into the WTF. But what you just said is one. Senpai says Eddie Mercado and Zane Simon can't be replaced. I'm sorry, dudes. I don't want to replace them. I'm just, I'm just here, you know, doing my thing. <laughs> Joe Caraciolo says the fight came too early for Till. He only beat Wonder Boy, and that was a controversial decision. Hell me, he says. Thanks, Frosty. I agree. So last night I went to the LFA event that was in Kearney, Nebraska, and I was talking to some of the people there. And everybody that I talk to, if they know that I do this type of thing um, as a hobby, basically, they'll ask me, you know, who, who am I picking to win? And I said, well, you know, I, I find it odd that Darren Till is the favorite. Um, he beat Cowboy Cerrone, who should not have been. I mean, he had some success at 170 pounds, did Cerrone. But, man, he looked undersized against Darren Till. And so, I, I, in hindsight, that win didn't look that impressive to me for Darren Till over Cowboy Cerrone. And then I actually scored Stephen Thompson versus Darren Till for Thompson. So I didn't think he was really coming off a of victory here. Also, like I said, Colby Covington was the rightful person to be in the spot fighting Tyron Woodley tonight. I didn't know that Darren Till necessarily deserved to be in the position, and I definitely didn't think that he 
deserved to be the favorite in this fight. No, I didn't put money on Tyron Woodley. Hindsight, I should have, because Tyron Woodley has been the underdog the last three uh, title defenses. Or no, three out of the last four title defenses. And look at that. He's won all four of them. When are we going to start stop doubting Tyron Woodley? Oh, yeah. Thanks, Zane. Zane Simon and Eddie Mercado are going to still have the six-round post-fight show. They're going to be available on the MMA Nation uh, iTunes and SoundCloud feed. They're going to be released on Mondays, or Zane says tomorrow. The vlogs are coming to more podcasts. Uh, so subscribe to MMA Nation on iTunes and SoundCloud. So there you go. I, too, hope to get like the video that I'm doing onto a podcast format, but I haven't talked to them about that yet. Uh, life's life's as crazy as De Diego Sanchez for me right now. But what's next for Tyron Woodley? We always go over that. I think it's got to be uh, Chaos Colby Covington. Let's go over the WTF of the card. I have five possibilities. Um, I have five possibilities for the WTF of the card. The first one was already mentioned in the chat. Big Dan Murgliata separated... Uh, main event competitors in the first round way too quickly, in my opinion. The same sequence that ended the fight, or brought the end of the fight closer to us, uh, when Darren Till, would, he rushed in, Woodley pulled away, and then hit Darren Till and dropped him at the end, of course. Tyron Woodley got double underhooks on Darren Till and pushed him up against the fence and he was going to be working for a body lock takedown maybe just rough up Darren Till's legs a little bit. Um, Darren Till had a, did a good job with the double whizzer and then held Tyron Woodley really tight so Woodley couldn't do much but it was only like maybe 15 seconds and Big Dan was like alright stop let's get out of here. Then another thing happened uh, similar Tyron Woodley had Till pressed up against the fence. Woodley searched for, or Till searched for an underhook, and then he reversed, put Woodley up against the fence. And then, like five seconds later, Big Dan was like, All right, stop, separate, let's get going. Uh, Joe Rogan and Daniel Cormier were talking about how that was that was bad, and it, that actually hurt Tyron Woodley. And we don't, we don't know, of course, that it didn't actually play out, but the way that it ended up actually going down really was uh, in favor of Tyron Woodley, obviously, with that big power. What's next for Darren Till? You could say um, if Colby Covington fights for the belt next, I could see Till versus Usman, but that could be killing another contender right away. So even though Till didn't get knocked out, the official result is a submission. I still, when people get their bell rung like Darren Till did, and then he ate a ton of elbows from the ground and pound from the bottom, I like to see these guys take a little bit of time off. So I, I would say let's not think about what's next for Darren Till. What's next for him should be uh, recoup his brain. He took a lot of damage here. He's probably going to get a medical suspension anyway. Let's give him some time off. Um, then when he comes back, we can see how the title picture has shaken out. Woodley said that he's been away from uh, competing for 14 months. And so he's, he's glad to be back. Maybe he'll become a active again in at the end of 2018, perhaps uh, beginning of 2019. But I don't think we should talk about what's next for Darren Till. Other WTFs of the card. Uh, we can talk about something that happened way earlier. Joe Rogan said that Diego Sanchez could have crazy classes and there would be a lot of people in attendance. And then when Diego fought Craig White on the Fight Pass prelims, as soon as it started, Diego sprinted right at Craig White and then was hitting him with a bunch of crazy ground and pound. Continuing on the what the fuck 
Diego Sanchez, after he defeated Craig White uh, via decision, right? What is it? Wait a second. Yeah, unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. I actually gave him a 30-25 because Craig White wasn't doing anything. Diego Sanchez, after the post-fight interview, gave the discount double-check sign and said, I'm coming for that belt. Bro, what the fuck? Someone's got to tell Diego Sanchez to calm it down with the crazy. We love it a little bit, but Diego, you beat a guy who's now 0-2 in the UFC. The only reason he was here is because Neil Magny needed a short-notice opponent in Europe. Um. Yeah, Diego, slow your roll. I'm in a group chat with uh, Sean Sheehan from Severe MMA, and he said that if we're going to keep Diego Sanchez fighting and he wants to keep fighting top guys or whatever, we should have him fight uh, BJ Penn after BJ Penn fights Ryan Hall or something. But like the next fight for Diego Sanchez should be a rematch with BJ Penn because uh, you know they fought in 2009. BJ Penn won to retain the uh, lightweight title, and it was a doctor stoppage in the fifth round. But yeah, what the fuck, Diego Sanchez. Continuing down the what the the WTF list, and then we'll get back to the co-main event and talk about that one. Uh, number three, what number three WTF was a a judge for Carla Esparza versus Tatiana Suarez, scored the first round 10-8 in favor of Carla Esparza. The the judge was Daniel Matheson. Carla Esparza he later admitted that he it was a mistake and he meant to be a 10-8 round for. Tatiana Suarez. And I'm going to use the WTFs as a way to talk about that fight. So let's talk about Tatiana Suarez versus Carla, the cookie monster, Esparza. At the very beginning of that fight, Tatiana went in for a double leg takedown, which Carla hit a pretty good sprawl on. But then Suarez pushed her up against the fence, got a body lock takedown, or got a body lock, and then uh, tripped Esparza to the mat. Similar to what Tyron Woodley was doing to Darren Till with the elbows, Suarez was really brutalizing Esparza with some elbows from the top position. Uh, she really messed up the face, the facial structure of Carla Esparza from inside the guard. Uh, Suarez was even doing the Habib Nurmagomedov thing, which the commentators like to talk about, which is grabbing the wrist control of Carla, like putting her arm behind her back and then just beating her up with the other hand so she couldn't block it on that side. Really, really impressive ground and pound from Tatiana Suarez. Uh, yeah, there were a ton of times when Esparza would get to back to her feet, but then Suarez would just pick her up and put her right back down. At the beginning of the second round, Suarez got in on a single leg and had Carla down in less than 30 seconds and then continued to pound on her. And Suarez got the TKO stoppage late in round number three at 4.33 of that round. And Daniel Cormier, Joe Rogan were calling for either Suarez to get a title shot against Thug Rose or perhaps a fight against Ioane and Jacek. And both options are really good. We're going to talk about what's next for Tatiana Suarez uh, shortly. I've got something else that's going to lead us into that. But continuing down the path of the WTF, the card, got a couple more. If you guys got some, let me know. I'll read them out loud. Uh, tonight we had two back mount knee bars. Insanity. What the F? There had only been one in the history of the UFC before tonight, and then two of them happened on one card. That's a WTF, but I won't talk about those fights right, right yet. Let's talk about 
the co-main event of the evening, which was a woman's strawweight fight between Jessica Bateastaka Andraj and Carolina Kovalkovic or Kovalkovic, depending on if you want to use Joe Rogan's pronunciation or John Anik's pronunciation. So basically, thanks for subscribing, Mike Lax23. I appreciate it, my dude. Jessica Andrade came out like Joe Rogan said, like Vanderlei Silva. I, I always think of her as the woman's strawweight version of John Lineker. I mean, she comes up, she comes out just ripping hooks. You know, she'll go hook, hook, body, uh, right hook to the body, left hook up high, just just a ton of hooks. So it's like a lead hook and, and a wide right, but everything landed. She hurt Kovalkovic, Kovalkovic right away. Uh, Carolina was like backpedaling up to the fence with her eyes wide, looking scared, just moments into this bout. Um, and she, Carolina did a decent job of not just backing to the fence because then she would have got finished earlier. Uh, she, she circled. She did a decent job circling. But it was a – the finishing sequence, Jessica threw a jab and then a another jab that was a tighter. They got closer. So she was a, a jab at range. And then the second jab, she was in tighter so she didn't get full extension on her arm and then came with the, with the wide right up top right on the jawbone of Kovalkiewicz. Kovalkovich and put her down and then did the walk-off knockout thing similar to Mark the Super Samoan Hunt. It was incredible. There, the follow-up shots were not necessary. You could already see before the finish actually happened that Carolina was not going to be in this fight. Uh, there were times when Carolina caught Andrade with a couple of right straights and we're like, okay, maybe she's going to come back into this. But then Jessica would just hit her with another hook and then Carolina, you know, would get kind of glossy-eyed again and fall backward. And like, okay, all right. Carolina probably had two good strikes. In fact, we could look at the stats. Uh, 39 to 25, actually. Or not, not the official significant strikes landed, but it's a lot closer than it felt. Anyway, Jessica Andrade. Huge knockout. The commentators say you, you, we don't see this very often, especially in 115-pound women's fights where like a female fighter does a, a one-punch knockout and then especially a Mark Hunt type of walk-off knockout. In the post-fight interview, Andrade called out Thug Rose Namajunas for UFC 232 uh, December 29th. Uh, I think it's in Brazil, I believe. I need to check that. No, it's at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. So I was wrong. Uh, she just commented that it's featuring two Brazilian titles right now because the main event is Amanda Nunes against Chris Cyborg Justino. And, of course, they are both champions. So she wants to be the co-main event to that against Thug Rose Nami Yunus. And I think that sounds, that sounds just fine. Let's go with that. And that's why, even though Tatiana Suarez did call out Thug Rose for a title shot after her performance... I don't think Suarez is going to get it. I would give the title shot to Jessica Andrade, and then I would pair Tatiana Suarez with Ioana Njacek. And hell, put them on the same card, whatever. I think I think that uh, even though Ioana Njacek has really good takedown defense, I might pick Tatiana Suarez the beater. I think Tatiana is a future champion. I'd love to see her fight Jessica Andrade, but that would kill two contenders right now uh, for Thug Rose. So I think we give Bate Estaca to Thug. And Yuani and Jacek have her fight against Tatiana Suarez. As I've said before, the sixth round post fight show with Zane Simon will air tomorrow. 
and then you can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching MMA Nation on Monday. So there you go. Let's continue on with this fight card. When is the post-fight press conference? Says Snow Guy. Should be happening soon, uh, but over on the UFC's Facebook page. One WTF of the card, which I haven't really mentioned yet, are is eight out of nine of the last fights were finishes. So when we get to the portion where we're going to give out our post-fight bonuses... Wow, we have our work cut out for us. I would just give them each like an extra 20 or something. But we'll try to get to the bottom of who we actually think deserves the post-fight bonuses. Somebody who deserves a post-fight bonus is one of the two men. Oh, Rob Amon, thanks for joining, buddy. You here with the battle axe to cut some people from the roster? Rob Amon's one of my usuals. Zabit Magomed Sharipov, Sharipov versus Brandon Davis. First round was actually rather close. Uh, Zabit was able to score a takedown late in the first round to like seal it on my scorecard. Didn't end up mattering though because Zabit got the knee bar from back mount. But Brandon Davis was doing some decent things on the feet. He was even able to say no, 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 not today. Dikembe Mutombo, Magomed Sharipov's first attempt of the like skip in and then try to do the trip takedown with his like the same side foot. So his foot on Davis's right foot. You know, he skips in and then tries to trip him down, like kind of clothesline him, bring him to the ground type of thing. Davis was able to ward off that first attempt. And on the feet, Brandon Davis landed a pretty good uppercut on Shari, Magomed Sharipov when Sharipov, Zabit, when he came in. Um, and I was like, oh shit, maybe Zabit as a minus 1200 favorite is going to lose here. That'd be insanity. But the second round, Zabit was able to get in that skipping and then trip takedown. Got Davis to the ground. Davis gave up. Went to get to his feet. He was just trying to stand straight up kind of like Derek the Black Beast Lewis does. He doesn't use a ton of technique. Just like he just gets up. and But nobody can really stop Derek Lewis. Brandon Davis got stopped by the double hooks with the legs from Magomed Sharipov. And then... Zabit searched for the, the rear naked choke. He had the arm under there for a second, but he couldn't get the other hand around it because Davis was doing a good job uh, with wrist control. But because Zabit is so long, and we'll talk about the same scenario with Aljamain Sterling, he was able to reach under when Davis was kind of standing with a wide base, trying to get to his feet and shake Zabit off over the top. Zabit just reached underneath, grabbed the, the left leg of Davis, and then rolled so that Zabit would have his back, his own back on the canvas, and he could get maximum extension on the knee bar of Davis. Davis tried to hold off as long as he could before he had to tap, but you could see his leg muscles and his tendons uh, behind his knee you know, fully extending, and he, he was forced to tap. Uh, maybe we, we wouldn't think of this as a huge performance from Zabit because he was you know, a minus 1,200 uh, favorite. Brandon Davis came in here on short notice. Nobody really gave him a chance to win. But I was impressed with, with Magomed Sharipov, and uh, I'm excited to see what's next for him, what's in the future for him. And he called out Chad Money Mendez in his post-fed interview. And another WTF we could say is he said, Chad Mendez, uh, where are you at? Or something. And then the translator said, Chad Mendez, where are you at? We, we, heard, we, we heard him. We heard Zabit. Ah, doesn't matter. So Zabit called out Chad Mendez, and I'm all for it. Let's do that. I, I know in the past I've said that I thought 
Jose Aldo should should have a trilogy fight with Chad Mendes. That's on the line. But Zabit, I like it. He's the number 15 featherweight right now. Calling out like the number number three or something featherweight in the world, former title challenger, uh, always toward the top of the division, Chad Mendes. I like it a lot. I say we give him the fight. Let's freaking do it. I saw that there were some people on social media saying, oh, I wonder who would win a fight between Zabit and Habib. Okay, so Zabit is the number 15 featherweight in the world, and Habib is the number one champion of the division up. I mean, And they're probably buddies. They're both from Dagestan. I don't get it. Anyway, let's keep on trucking down the card. Zabit, or Rob Amos says, give Zabit to Gabriel Benitez. I mean, that could be fun, but I'd way rather just, just fuck it. Send him to the top of the division. The guy's coming in here as a minus 1,200 favorite. Why not just send him to the top? And even if he were to get destroyed by Chad Mendez, he's only 27 years old. I know he looks like an old werewolf because of his hair and, and how lazy his eyes are, but he's only 27 years old. He's already, he's this impressive. He's 27 years old, uh, and he hasn't lost since 2013. He's getting better and better every time he's in the octagon. Even if he were to lose to Chad Mendez, he would be back in the future. Let's keep trucking down the card. Jimmy Eltera Rivera versus John the Magician Dodson. This fight went to the judges and and <laughs> Javier Escamilla Escamilla says that if he's 27, then I'm 12. <laughs> oh, that's funny. No, he looks super old, but I don't, he's not. Uh, so during Rivera versus Dodson, the crowd was booing, and of course Cormier and Rogan were like, why are they booing? You know, maybe they were spoiled because we've had some really good fights tonight. And I don't like when the fans boo that much either. I, I went to UFC Lincoln a couple of weeks ago, and there was a guy in front of me that was booing Courtney Casey versus Angelo Overkill Hill, and I told him to shut the fuck up. And he did. Luckily, it didn't cause any drama, but like he was the only person booing in the whole place, and I thought they were they were... Fighting their asses off. Why boo them? And Rivera and Dodson, I thought, you know, they, it was not the most entertaining performance by either guy that we've ever seen. But they were putting it out there. It was a decent fight, but it was probably the least entertaining fight of the night. One of the least entertaining fights of the night, if not the least. But what happened in that bout was uh, Dodson, who the commentators always say he's got this huge speed advantage on his opponents. He's so much... He's so much faster. But tonight, to me, it looked like they were rather equivalent to each other in the speed department. Dodson would come in with something, and Rivera would hit him with a check left hook over and over and over and over again. As the fight went on in the third round, Rivera started landing the the right straight. Thanks for subscribing, Mustang GT. I appreciate it, buddy. Rivera started hitting Dodson with the straight rights. And uh, that's pretty much it. Dodson would would try something. He'd try to come in with a combo. Rivera would go away from it, hit him with a check left or a right straight. Uh, Occasionally, Jimmy Rivera would get Dodson with the inside low kick. Dodson was in the southpaw stance. Rivera was in the orthodox stance. And Rivera would throw that right leg at at Dodson's right leg. And it was doing a little bit of damage to him. 
Maybe Dotson just didn't put himself out there enough. He wasn't risky enough, but he did have some some decent success against Rivera. But Rivera ultimately got the decision, and I thought it was clear 30-27. I don't know where the 29-28 came from. What's next for Jimmy Rivera? I think it should be Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling because Aljamain, after he defeated Cody Stamen via modified knee bar, back-mounted knee bar, he called out either the winner of Rivera versus Dodson or he wanted Dominic the Dominator Cruz. Because TJ Dillashaw recently got the or he defended the belt against Cody Garbrandt, who he had taken it from in the fight previous to that, and TJ Dillashaw has a loss to Dominic Cruz, I think that either TJ Dillashaw should fight Marlon Marais or Dominic Cruz, so I'm saving Dominic Cruz for maybe perhaps that bout, and I wouldn't give Aljamain Sterling to Dominic Cruz, so I think Aljamain Sterling should fight Jimmy Elterra Rivera. That's some really easy matchmaking. What happened in the fight between Aljamain Sterling and Cody Stamen? Uh, there were a lot of fun grappling exchanges. Stamen would get Sterling down, Sterling would kick off, kick off and get back to his feet. Uh, Sterling would get Stamen down, um, Stamen would get back to his feet. But toward the end, near the finish of the fight, uh, Stamen had had Sterling down. Sterling got back to his feet. Stamen was maintaining some underhooks, but he went for a high knee on Sterling. When Sterling was trying to spread his legs wide and get out of the, the takedown attempt from Stamen. Stamen went for the high knee. Sterling was able to circle out from it. He got his own uh, double underhook and was going to go for the takedown. But Stamen tried to do a Granby roll out of it at Sterling... Followed him, ended up on the back of Stamen. Again, searched for that rear naked choke. Stamen postured up with his butt in the air, did like a downward facing dog type position. And Sterling, once again, just like Magomed Sheripov, so long that he just grabbed the, the heel of Stamen to hit a knee bar attempt from back mount. And Stamen was on the ground, like kind of screaming in agony for quite a while after the knee bar happened. Incredible performance from Aljamain Sterling. Good call outs and everything. I think that he should definitely fight uh, Jimmy Elterra Rivera next. If you haven't already, guys, please give the video a thumbs up. It would really help me out a lot with the bosses. Again, this is my first time here. The normal post-fight show, the sixth-round post-fight show with Zane Simon, it's still going to be around. You can find it on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search for MMA Nation. But I need your thumbs up while I'm here. I would really appreciate it. Uh, so the la the first fight of the... UFC pay-per-view portion for UFC 228. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan versus Nico the Hybrid Price. Uh, this was a quick one. Nico countered a right leg kick from Razak Al-Hassan early with a right straight that might have briefly stunned Al-Hassan. And then, like in the post-fight interview, Al-Hassan said that when somebody tries to get in a, a war, like a fight in the phone booth. They're just brawling with him. He gets mad and he wants to make them pay for it. And he did that for sure. Uh, Razak caught Nico with an overhand right to shovel hook uppercut that stunned Price. Price was on wobbly legs. Uh, Razak came forward with what I call the John Lineker combination, the, the double hooks. And he had Price against the fence and he shut the lights out. It was a, a big left hook that put Price to sleep. But because he was against the fence... He was kind of propped up by it, and he didn't fall to the ground. And then Al-Hassan hit him with a right for good measure, and then Price did fall to the canvas. And the official result happened at just 43 seconds of round number one. 
I don't know what's next for Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, but I can tell you this much. Whatever is next for him, I'm going to be watching. The guy is super freaking exciting. He now has three finishes in a row, uh, all in the very first round. The last one against Sabah Homasi at UFC 220 was a performance of the night. Will he get a performance of the night tonight at UFC 228? Uh, we'll have to find out. Matthew Caldwell, how come I'm doing shows here now instead of MMA Mania? I, I don't know. I just got moved. I got my channel. My channel is moved. So I, if you're just joining me, my name is Flying Brian J. As you can see in the description box, I'm still going to be doing what I call production videos, the beer pairing and the top fights to watch over on MMA Mania. But I'm going to be doing post-fight shows at least if I have any success here tonight on MMANation.com. So again, please give the video a thumbs up. I'd like to stay here, make some new friends on MMA Nation. But let's keep talking about these fights. Uh, we already talked about Tatiana Suarez versus Carla Esparza, Aljamain Sterling versus Cody Stamen, Jeff Neal versus Frank the Crank Camacho. What a finish this was. Um... Basically, Frank would move forward a lot, and Neil would move back. And then as Neil got Camacho moving toward him, he would then shift and then come in at Camacho with the combination. And a lot of times, Neil threw a left high kick, a left round high kick that Camacho had been blocking. But quite a few times, it was left straights were landing on, on Camacho from Neil. It was just happening so quick. Camacho would move forward, left straight from Neil, hit him over and over and over and over again. After a while, Camacho did like the similar thing to what Robbie Lawler did against Rory McDonald, where he just like roared, like, ah! And then, now that actually happened after they got in a, a slight battle in the phone booth, because those left hands were hurting Camacho from Neil. He got... In, Camacho backed up against the fence. He was trying to come in around the guard of Camacho. Camacho was defending himself pretty damn well against the fence. And Camacho tricked him into getting in a fight in a phone booth where they were kind of trading hooks. And Camacho almost got himself back in the fight. And that's when he let out that... The roar. But then uh, a lead right hook to left cross from Neil dropped Camacho at the end of the first round. And the second round were the... Were the roar happened um shortly after that neil landed a left high kick that he the same high kick that he that camacho had had blocked like three times in the first round the second round neil threw it boom just smoked him and it sent almost movie-like sent frank camacho into the shadow realm put him to sleep just straight to sleep i love watching frank camacho fight but tonight he got really obliterated What's next for Jeff Neal after this incredible, incredible performance where the official result was uh, a head kick knockout at 123 of round number two? He showed off some really good striking. He did defend some takedowns from Frank Camacho. Um, and he was like the number 90 ranked welterweight on Tapology. And I thought he should fight the number 61 ranked welterweight on Tapology in Danny 
Hot Chocolate Roberts. So Jeff Neal versus Danny Roberts. That's what I think should be next. What do you guys think? Let's try to be as courteous and respectful as possible in the comment section, my dudes. Rob Amon says Camacho should be sacked. I mean, Rob Amon's always here cutting people that lose. And now uh, Frank Camacho is 1-3 and three in his UFC stint. He beat Damian Brown in a really exciting fight. It was fight of the night uh, back in 2017, November. Then he lost to Drew Dober. Now he lost to Jeff Neal. I think they keep him around uh, for another one because... His first three fights in the UFC were all fight of the night. The only other person off the top of my head that I can think of that their first three fights in the UFC were fight of the night, Justin the fucking highlight Gaethje. So you lose to Jeff Neal here, who maybe Jeff Neal could be a future contender. We don't know at this point. But I'd say they give Frank Camacho at, at least one more shot. Let's trudge on down this card. Uh, Darren Stewart versus Charles Bird. This was crazy. Charles Bird was doing good job landing right hands on Darren Stewart, backing Darren Stewart up against the fence, and hitting him. They were getting the clinch. Bird was trying for a takedown. Uh, Bird's last two victories were via rear naked choke. I'm sure he was trying to get Stewart to the ground to, to try to work for that rear naked choke. But he would end up just clinching Stewart against the fence, maybe double underhooks, just getting him in there. And he would break the clinch with like two elbows, what I would call like right hook elbows in the clinch and he hit Darren Stewart in the head with those a bunch of times a whole bunch of times he actually like stunned Darren Stewart after Bird had hurt Stewart in the second round they got into a, a firefight near the fence and that ended up being the demise of of Bird Stewart put Bird's back on the fence and went with uh, he went with his own hook elbows until Bird went down. He got Bird with a yeah. So I, I wrote that down wrong. It was Stewart who hit Bird with the the right hook elbows, and he hit him with a bunch of them. And there was one that was just a really quick one. It was actually from a distance. It caught Bird just just on the tip of the temple, just right in the soft spot of the temple, and that put Bird on on wobbly legs. Um, and uh, he, he got the finish with elbows and punches, TKO. Hella impressive performance from Darren the Dentist Stewart. Uh, I don't know what's next for him. He's the number 62 welterweight in the world, according to Tapology. Maybe somebody like... Uh, Jordan Meehan could be next for him. That'd be a decent bout. They've had bouts recently. Let's just go with that for now. Off the top of my head... Uh, Stewart, Rob Amos says Stewart versus Lombard latest winner. I'm going to stick with what I said. Jordan Meehan. Let's move down the card. Uh, Diego Sanchez versus Craig White. We kind of talked about him already. Sanchez just ran at Craig White, got the takedown, was hitting him with some ground and pound. Craig White looked like a fish out of water off of his back. He did hit Diego Sanchez with some up kicks, but that's basically the only success that Craig White had. I don't know why we didn't see... Any, I don't know why there were no 10-8 rounds in that. Diego Sanchez, let's just look at some stats real fast. Outlanded Craig White in significant strikes, 46-18. In the third round, 21-3. Second round, 12-7. Uh, I guess. I don't know. It seemed like 10-8 because Diego would just 
Diego had 4 minutes and 52 seconds of control time in the first round, 4.40 in the second round, and 4.46 in the third round. I don't know how you control somebody for 14 minutes and 18 seconds out of a 15-minute fight and don't get any 10.8s. Crazy. Uh, Rob Amon says, Craig White versus debutante. I don't care what's next for Craig White. He's 0-2 in the UFC now. Like I said earlier, we only brought him in here to fight Neil Magny on short notice in Europe. Before that, Jim Miller against Alex the Spartan White. Uh, Miller landed a couple of straight rights that put White on wobbly legs, and then Miller closed the show, turned back the clock with a rear naked choke. Uh, Jim hit a straight left to a lead, like a, a straight left, then a lead right to the body, and then another left up top that tumbled White, and then a couple of straight whites uh, put him down, got on the back with no hooks in, and got him with the rear naked choke. A possible WTF of the card, probably not though, but like I almost cried because Jim Miller said he almost he was going to cry in the post-fight interview because he said he's been fighting Lyme disease since 2015, and he said to Joe Rogan that just recently has been able to train like a pro athlete should be able to train because he's just now getting out of, out of the deep water from his Lyme disease. So amazing he said that a tick bit him and he didn't know it back in 2015 and he felt like shit for like the last three years until recently so fucking wow uh did miller come into this as an underdog i believe he did jim miller plus 155 underdog against alex white i don't know why i didn't bet that one either i just i didn't know if i could trust jim miller but his jim miller right look at this guy's resume as of late it's not as bad as it would sound he got knocked out by Dan Hooker. You know, Dan Hooker's on the rise. But he lost the decision to Dustin Poirier where he brutalized Dustin's leg in the third round. Uh, then he lost a decision to Anthony Pettis, who Anthony Pettis seemed to have turned back the clock lately, uh, and Francisco Trinaldo. So maybe Alex White isn't, uh, you know, the highest level of competition that Miller's ever fought. But I think we really wrote him off here for, for not a lot of good reason. A very impressive performance from Jim Miller. Turning back the old clock. Before that, Irene Aldana versus Lucy Purilova. Uh, Aldana, oh, it's Irene, Irene Aldana versus Lucy Purilova. Uh, Aldana won via split decision, 29-28, 28-29, 29-28. This was a, a case of Aldana moving backward and hitting Purilova with a lot of good techniques and using lateral movement really well, but... Whenever Aldana would land something good, it would just like piss off Pudilova, and Pudilova would come harder. And Aldana did some decent things to keep range, you know, push kicks to the face. Uh, Pudilova was pretty bloody by the end of this thing. It was a tight, tight battle, close decision. Um, I think it was a decent win for Irene Aldana. And uh, I think Lucy Pudilova's, it's only her second loss in the UFC. She's 2 and 2 now. She'll stick around. I like watching her fights just because of her, like, I'm a mean motherfucker attitude. Uh, and that was a really, really exciting fight. I told you guys in the pre-fight show that this one, I was looking forward to this one because they're both strikers. Um, they both hit pretty hard. Uh, Irene Aldana is 13 and, uh, no, 9 and 4 now, 13 total fights. She has knockout victories in five of them and two of them via submission. Only two of her wins are via decision. And those are her last two wins in the UFC. So that's just crazy. You know, she's a pretty exciting fighter. Hits pretty hard. I don't know what's next for her. 
I don't. Does it really matter? No. Before that, Jared Brooks versus Roberto Sanchez. This was a split decision that I thought clearly was Jared Brooks's fight to win. Like this should have been scored 29-28 for him, just without issue. First round, Roberto Sanchez got in on Jared Brooks, uh, and Jared Brooks went for a knee bar or a heel hook. And then to a knee bar, then he was able to get back to his feet. But I think that he lost the first round based on how long Roberto Sanchez had him on his back. Between rounds one and two, Jared Brooks' corner told him, hey, let's go for our own takedowns. But let's box him up a little bit and then go for the takedown. And I can't remember off the top of my head. I could check my notes. But, oh yeah, between the second and third round, Justin Scoggins, who was in the corner of Jared Brooks, said to box for a bit and then go for a takedown. If you box him, it'll get him not thinking about the takedown defense. And what Jared Brooks did to box him up, went for a spinning back fist that really fucking hit Sanchez hard. And then Sanchez tried to do his own spinning back fist rebuttal. Jared Brooks, of course, got in on those hips, got the takedown. A decent ground and pound, but mostly it was just control. Jared Brooks controlled Sanchez um, mostly. That's what he mostly did to get the victory. Jared Brooks now... Um, he has losses to Joe, Jose Shorty Torres, where he knocked himself out. He was looking fucking great uh, for a minute and a half before he finished himself. And before that, he lost a split decision to Davison Figueredo. And Joe Rogan said he thought that Brooks could have uh, got the nod against Figueredo. And I think that Figueredo's a future title challenger. So Brooks is a, an exciting fighter. It was a fun fight to watch, even though he just controlled Sanchez mostly in the top position for the majority of that fight. But I think we can expect decent things from him in the future. He's a tiny guy. He might even be too small for the flyweight division, which seems crazy. But I'm excited to watch what's next for him. What's next for him exactly, you ask? I don't know. Does it really matter? Let's talk about our post-fight bonuses. So, guys, my question to you is what post-fight bonuses would you give? First, let's talk about the fight of the night. We're going to give our grades, our our uh, bonuses, and then I'm going to look at Twitter and get the real ones for you guys. So fight of the night, in my opinion, uh, would probably go to... Um, you know what? I'm not giving a fight of the night, actually. Matthew Caldwell says fight of the night to Irene Aldana, Irene, and Lucy Purilova. Perhaps that could be it. Uh Glade's Villains says the same thing. Uh, Mr. Hyde says the same thing. So if we're given a fight of the night, let's give it to Arine Aldana and Lucy Purilova. So congratulations. They get no money from us, but at least they get our recognition. Uh, now let's go over performance bonuses. This is going to be hard because we got Woodley, Darsh Choke over Till. Andraj, Walk-Off walk Knockout over Karolina Kovalkiewicz. Zabit with a Back-mounted knee bar. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. Knockout with a big left hook at 43 seconds. Tatiana Suarez uh, finishing the former champion with ground and pound. Aljamain Sterling, another back-mounted knee bar. Jeff Neal, freaking highlight reel for the century head kick over Frank Camacho. Darren Stewart over Charles Bird. In the rear naked choke from Jim Miller over Alex White. All are are worthy of a little extra money because they were so impressive and they contributed to me having a five out of five love of this night. It was such a good night of fights. I'm so glad that I watched it. And I 
I might watch it over again. I purchased the pay-per-view. I might watch it. Just watch it back. Javier Escamilla says uh, Jeff Neal gets a performance bonus. Mr. Hyde says Al Hassan and Neal. Uh, Mar Oka says Andrade with the one-punch KO. Javier uh, Glades Villain says Suarez and Neal. Rob Amon says knockout of the night to Andrade. Submission to Woodley. Matthew Caldwell says Woodley and Neal. It's so tough, right, guys? There's so many of them. Um, and I know that a lot of you, this is your first time ever hanging out with me, but I always give... I give out uh, $250,000 because I'm not actually giving them any money where the UFC only gives out two hundred. So I feel like I'm doing like a little bit of a solid. Uh, Tyron Woodley, I think that if you get a submission, your first ever submission in the UFC in the main event, in a title fight, after you've been in the UFC for a super long time um, as an underdog, you're getting an extra 50 G. So Tyron Woodley's getting one for me. Jessica Andrade, Mark Hunt style of walk-off knockouts don't happen in the women's divisions they they like if in your mind's eye they don't happen at women's straw weight but it freaking happened so i think bate estaka andrage gets an extra fifty thousand, and then with my other fifty thousand dollars that i've got left in my bank i'm giving twenty five thousand to zabit magomed sheripov and twenty five thousand to aljamain the Funkmaster sterling for their back mounted knee bars if those don't get any recognition from Dana White tonight or any extra dollars from the UFC or the WME IMG machine, they really should. It's, it'd be a travesty. So, I, so I'm giving uh, 25000 each of those guys, and there's my, there's my $200,000. Let's check the Twitter machine and see what the real bonuses were, if we can. I probably talked way too fast tonight, my dudes. I promise in the future... I will be calmer during the post-fight show. This is my uh, first time on this channel. A little, little nervous about it. I'm coming from MMA Mania, and we'd have like 15 viewers. We've got 238 right now, so it's, you know, it's kind of a big deal for me. So thank you for sticking around with me. Uh, thanks again for the thumbs up on the video. That'll help me out. The bosses might like that. Uh, I won't look like such a poop head failure but okay the official bonuses were fight of the night Irene Aldana versus Lucy Purilova uh, performance bonuses go to Woodley and Jessica Bate Astaka Andrade so we got it we got them well that's what we said but like I said there needs to be a little extra something something in the pockets of Zabit Magomed Sheripov and Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling because only one knee bar from back mount had ever been done in the UFC before tonight, and those guys did them on the same motherfucking card. So that's it. That basically does it for this post-fight show. Thanks, Matthew Caldwell and uh, Rob Amon. Hopefully I'll make some new friends as well. Mar Oka says, Christ, what a card. I know! Guardian Angel says, whoa, I just swore. Yes, I fucking did. Yeah, Christ, what a card. Man, what a night of fights. I don't have much more to say about this fight card, so I'll probably call the show over. We'll just end it. But I want to stick around and talk to you guys a little bit more. Because I'm so jazzed about this fight card. Also, um, I drink. I usually drink beer during my post-fight shows, and I haven't yet. I haven't had a single drink of beer today because I wanted to be on point for this post-fight show First time being on this channel, you know, like I said, I wanted to be, uh, have my poop in a group. 
But I'm gonna take a drink right now. Let's talk about maybe, yeah, alcoholics says guardian angel. Indeed. I don't mean to alienate anybody by talking to Matthew and Rob. I've just recognized them. Javier Escamilla says, Fook to Mayweathers. Oh, thanks for subscribing, Javier. I didn't notice. Was that a Modelo? This is um, a homebrewed pumpkin spiced ale that I made. I homebrew. Uh, Pedro Tavares, where is Zane Simon? So, yeah. Um, the classic MMA Nation shows like the six-round post-fight show, MMA Vivisection, Care Don't Care, If I Did It, they're all still going to be available on SoundCloud and iTunes. So search for MMA Nation on SoundCloud and iTunes. I think I, I linked it in the description box below, I believe, so you can find those there. Um, but for the time being, at least for today, we're trying out uh, having me, Flying Brian J, my logo's right here, do the post-fight show on MMANation.com. So thanks for sticking with me. I appreciate it. Let's talk about what's next. Uh, the next event is... UFC Fight Night 136 happening on September 15th from the Olymp Olympic Sky Stadium in Moscow, Russia. Main evented by Mark the Super Simone Hunt versus Aleski Olinik. Co-main event is Jan Blahovich versus Nikita Krylov. Nikita Krylov making his return to the UFC after he left. Um, he lost via submission guillotine choke to Misha Surkunov back at UFC 206. Um, and since that time, he's won four fights, all via stoppage. One over Emmanuel Newton, the former Bellator light heavyweight champion of the world. And then against Fabio Maldonado. Both of those knockout victories. I'm super excited to have Nikita Krilov back. This entire night of fights happens on UFC Fight Pass. I don't know what time it starts. Um, I have to request that day off, so I won't be here for a post-fight show for that. So that kind of sucks. Um... Because uh, my cousin's getting married that day. The fights start at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, 1.30 a.m. Pacific Time. I actually could probably do a post-fight show. I don't know what my obligations are that day. I know I have to do something in her wedding, but we'll play it by ear. Lucky Patrick, who the fuck is this guy? Where are the usual guys? Again, Lucky Patrick, the... Sixth round post-fight show with Zane Simon and Eddie Mercado's off and his guest are still happening. I think they're going to do them on Bloody Elbow Live, I think. Don't quote me on that, but they will still be available on SoundCloud and iTunes. So search for MMA Nation on SoundCloud and iTunes and you can get the sixth round post-fight show. I think they'll be posting it on Monday mornings. They're going to do the show on Sunday, post it on Monday. For the time being... MMANation.com is trying out having this ugly son of a gun, Flying Brian J, do the post-fight show here. So, thank you. Um, yeah, if you haven't already, please give the video a thumbs up. It'll make my bosses think that you didn't hate me on my first time being here. I'm going to look into getting this show, where you guys are my co-host, on as a... Uh, a podcast as well. I don't know if they're going to allow me. So that's what we're going to do, though. 
Loser says bloody elbow sounds like severe anal porn. Ugh. I don't know how that is, but that's weird, buddy. There, is there anything else you guys want to talk about? We could talk about Habib, the Eagle Nurmagomedov versus the notorious Conor McGregor at UFC 229, October the 6th at the T-Mobile Arena in Paradise, Nevada, Las Vegas metropolitan area. Speaking of which, we talked about Tatiana Suarez putting on a Habib-style wrestling clinic against Carla the Cookie Monster Esparza. I got uh, Tatiana Suarez does not have a nickname as of right now. At least according to UFC.com. I have two options for her. Tatiana Suarez, her corner, referred to her as Tot a whole bunch of times. So I was thinking you could, we could do Tater Tot Tatiana Suarez. So Tater Tot Tatiana. Eh? Or her nickname could be The Eagle. And I know that you shouldn't copy somebody else's nickname, but she is so close to Habib Nurmagomedov in her style of attack and in the fact that nobody can stop her attack. They see it, they see it, they see it. They train three months for it and they still can't stop it. She does the, the wrist control behind the back while she punches your face through the canvas. I think the Eagle is a fitting nickname for Tatiana Suarez. People this week were calling her the female Nurmagomedov or whatever, the female Habib, but meh. I think we should go with uh, Mr. Hyde says the Falcon. No, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think Tatiana Suarez could be called the Eagle. Who do you guys think is going to win between Nurmagomedov and Connor McFucking Gregor? The odds have the notorious Connor McGregor as a plus 155 underdog. And the money line on Nurmagomedov to get the victory is minus 165. Fight does not go to the judges is minus 450. If you don't know the odds, if you don't, aren't familiar with how odds work, if it's minus 450, that would mean it would take uh, $4.50 to win $1. Or $45 to win $10. Or $450 to win $100. That's how it works. And uh, fight does Fight goes, no wait, that's fight doesn't go to a decision yet. And fight does go to a decision, it's plus 330. What that means is you can bet $1 on that, and if that happens, if it does go to the judges, you win $3.30 or $10.33, you know, $100, 330 You get the picture, right? There you go. Maroka says Habib time. Rob Amon says Habib. Connor has not. Fared well against grapplers. Loser says if Tatiana, uh, she could be the Mexican mauler. Uh, Waypa73 says Habib is another hype fight. Connor is a heat hunter. Habib will get knocked out easy. This shit reminds me of Tyson in the 1980s boring fights. I couldn't disagree with you more, but I appreciate you being here and giving me your take on it, my friend. Matthew Caldwell. Oh, Matthew Caldwell asks, how did putting one unit on all the underdogs go tonight? So in the past, uh, at the beginning of this year, um, the first six months of the year, I would put one unit on every single underdog to see if it would win. But I was doing that for a while, and it was not fearing well. It started losing like nine units at a time. Nine dollars and nine dollars, losing nine dollars, losing nine dollars, losing nine dollars. And I was like, I don't want to track that anymore. So what I have been doing, and you can look at my record on betmma.tips slash flyingbrianj 
And you can see at the peak at the bottom on my on my track record, I got down to as far as minus 96.9 units. That's terrible. What I have been doing since that time is following a guy on Twitter named at uh, MMA Vegas Pete, and also a guy that his Twitter handle is at MMA L O T N or MMA Lock of the Night. I've been following those two guys. So since I was minus 96.9 units, I've been following those two, and I'm back to minus 18.94 units. So I'm still negative. I'm still in the red, in the you know bad bad area. But following those two guys alone has got me back to almost even money. And I think that that there, if you want to gamble on fights, you want free bets, you probably should be f following those two men. I actually picked Conor McGregor via knockout. Uh, I just think that'd be so fun to see. Habib comes in there, doesn't have great, doesn't have great defensive with the striking, and he eats the first left hand, similar to. Conor versus Jose Aldo and he goes to sleep I think that the fucking world would almost explode if that happened because the alternative is Habib taking him down and just mauling him uh, which would be exciting as well there's a ton of Conor McGregor haters that would be just lively on, on social media and stuff and that could be fun but I just think that if McGregor exploded Nurmagomedov's head hypothet not hypothetically um, figuratively the MMA world would goddamn explode. Like Matthew says, I have no idea what is going to happen. No idea. That's why, like Conor McGregor, every single time he's been in the octagon, or the majority of the times, we can just look. I'll click on him. Um, so against Eddie Alvarez, Conor was like a 2-1 to one favorite. Against Nate Diaz, he was a favorite against Nate Diaz again he was a favorite against Jose Aldo he was a favorite against Mendez he was a favorite conceiver favorite Conor McGregor was the underdog to Dustin Poirier wow but so Conor McGregor's always the favorite but that's because the betting public just they know who he is I have a friend that I, I've been taking to fights lately he doesn't know anything about any fighter he doesn't know who John Jones is but he knows who Conor fucking McGregor is so the betting public puts their money on Conor McGregor um, but it just feels like a lot of the time people discount his abilities. They always just think he's just a mouth. He's just hype. But then he goes out there and he sleeps Jose Aldo in 13 seconds. He embarrassed Eddie Alvarez. I, I, I clearly scored the second fight against Nate Diaz for him, but he, you know, he got his ass beat by Nate Diaz in the first fight. But, um, People discounted Conor McGregor against Chad Mendes because Chad has some really good takedowns. But Conor whooped his ass. I think that he's often overlooked. I don't think he's overhyped. People say he's overhyped. He he's he's maybe he's too well known for the hard hardcore fans don't actually want mixed martial arts to become a mainstream sport. This is our our niche. It's our it's our weird thing that we do in our free time, and we don't want like everybody else to be a part of it. And Conor McGregor is known by everybody, so that like there's a little bit of dislike for him because he's so well known. He's the popular kid, and we're jealous that maybe our favorite fighter isn't the popular kid or whatever. But I don't think he's overhyped. I mean, he goes out there and he performs at a really high level. He's a really good fighter. Um, it, the embarrassment that he put on Eddie Alvarez was like jaw dropping to me. And I'm not saying that I'm a, a Conor McGregor fan. I love Nurmagomedov as well, 
I just think that sometimes we just hate on Conor McGregor too much because he's the popular kid, essentially. Mar Oka says, I have Habib winning, uh, but a little nervous for him. McGregor's a dangerous man. Yes, he is. Hmm. I don't think, like, Grand Swing Sports says Nate Diaz worked Conor McGregor in the second fight. Um, I don't want to talk about that fight too much. We shouldn't talk about the history of Conor McGregor too much while we're here, but, I mean, shit. Conor knocked Nate down, like, three times in that fight. So don't tell me, you can't say that Nate Diaz worked him over. Did Nate drop Conor in the second fight? No. Did Conor get tired as fuck? Yeah. But Conor dropped Nate multiple times. And I think, this is just a theory, if that fight took place at 155 pounds rather than 170 pounds, Conor would be more likely to knock Nate Diaz out. Because with that extra water weight, you got more uh, water and more protection more protection in your brain when you're fighting at 170 than 155 for Nate. I think it'd be easier to hit the off switch for Conor at 155 pounds. Where Conor, his left hand is rather fast. And when he's not carrying as much weight, this hand could be faster. I don't know. It's just a theory. Yeah, he did turn his back and run a lot of times, yeah. Anyway, I, don't, I, I love you, Grand Swing Sport. We shouldn't talk about this anymore. We'll get grumpy at each other. But the rest of UFC 229 is really good as well. Uh, Tony Ferguson versus Anthony Showtime Pettis as the co-main event. I think that's there just in case Nurmagomedov or McGregor get taken out for some reason. You could just, If Nurmagomedov comes out for some reason, you, you just slide Ferguson right in to fight McGregor. Maybe if McGregor falls out, you put Ferguson in and we actually finally get to see Nurmagomedov versus Ferguson. Um, and and uh, Ferguson versus Pettis is a, is a fun fight as well. Before that, OSP versus Dominic Reyes. Uh, it's, it's, I think that Reyes is probably going to sleep St. Peru, but who knows. Derek Lewis versus Alexander Volkov. That's fun. Michelle Watterson versus Felice Herrig. It's a weird one to open the, the pay-per-view, but I'm still excited about that. Sugar Sean O'Malley versus Jose Alberto Quinones. Eh, could be fun. Sergio Pettis versus Ducier Formiga. Uh, Scott Holtzman versus Alan Patrick. I love Alan Patrick. Fun, fun uh, night of fights. Aspen Ladd versus Tanya Evinger. It's cool. Gray Maynard versus Nick Lenz. Uh, it's decent. But, Mr. Hyde, you also have to think that Connor was scheduled to fight a striker in Jose Aldo. And then on 10, day, like on 10 days' notice, he had Mendez, a wrestler. So, yes, Mendez did come off the couch. Uh, but, you know, Connor wasn't preparing for a wrestler when he had that bout. It's just, you know, things are, things are weird in mixed martial arts. Anyway, let's call it a day. Let's call it a show. We've talked uh, too long. Maybe. Please uh, give the video a thumbs up if you haven't already. Thanks for sticking around and talking to me so long after we got done talking about UFC 228, which was a freaking phenomenal night of fights. I think everybody's giving it a 5 out of 5. Uh, yeah, we're going to get out of here. Thanks for being here, guys. I appreciate you. Follow me on Twitter, at FlyingBrianJ, on Facebook, at FlyingBrianShow. Uh, subscribe to MMA Nation on SoundCloud, iTunes, Wherever you get your podcast, search for MMA Nation. Um, and the the uh, 
six round post fight show if I did it MMA vivisection care don't care preview all that stuff is going to be over on the podcast feed so thanks again for joining me guys and I'll see you later namaste